championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything. Lakers, we're here to talk some Lakers with you. We are two weeks. That's right, count them. Two weeks until training camp starts off. We can't wait. We still have some Lakers news stories to talk about tonight. We've got the Kenneth Reed rumor. Where did that come from? Is he actually going to wind up with the Los Angeles Lakers? And what does this maybe tell us about what they're looking for for their final roster spot? Yes, I know it's not really their final roster spot. The last one they're going to use because they're probably not going to use that 15th one. So the 14th roster spot, could it go to Kenneth Reed? And what would that mean for the team moving forward? And a lot to talk about with uh, regards to that. And then, of course, the rotation to break down. And we'll be taking all your questions and comments. So if you're coming in from YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, welcome. And let's talk some Lakers basketball. If you're listening to the podcast version of this after the fact, still welcome in. And make sure you do follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Joining me tonight is Matt the Optimist Peralta. Matt, how are you doing, man? I'm good, Trevor. Two weeks away. We're almost there. It's been a long, long offseason, but you know, I'm getting I'm getting excited. I'm ramping back up, getting back into basketball mode. 14 days to training camp, 19 days to the Lakers' first preseason game. So that's something to be excited about. Too. You know what else I'm excited about? I'm excited I was able to out-tank you. In our dynasty league this week. <laughs> oh my! I am upset, man. You should clue him in because I was. That's the one. I, oh man, I was banking that you would come up in the final on that last day, and then you know, just Daryl Henderson, man, loved and hated it at the same time. We're in a dynasty league, and Matt and I are both in rebuild mode. We're very much accumulating draft picks. We're playing for ping pong balls and uh, and working towards building for the future. And Matt was able to edge me out, which inches me that much clo- much closer to the number one overall pick next year. We'll see if that ends up happening or not. Uh, let's get into this. I guess let, let's just start with the Kenneth Reed thing, the manimal, right? Rumor came out the yesterday, Jovan Buha of The Athletic, said the Lakers are working out Kenneth Reed. And looking at the Lakers roster, we know they're probably adding one more. Well, it's not that they're probably. They are. They're adding one more. They're adding one more player. League rules say you have to have at least 14 on your roster. The Lakers right now only have 13. You can have 15, but we know they're probably not going to add that 15th because money, it just it saves them probably about $10 million-ish if they wait until midway through the season and then sign somebody versus signing someone now, paying them, waiving that player, and then adding somebody off the buyout market. So it's significant savings by just waiting and then signing that 15th spot on the buyout market midway through the season. So that's what we think is going to happen there. But the 14th spot, they have to fill it with somebody Looking at the roster, we, we've been saying all along, it's going to be a wing. James Ennis, come on down. Keep liking all those Lakers posts on come social on, media. Man. We thought it was going to happen. Has not happened yet. Uh, and now they're working out Kenneth Fareed. What do we take from this? Like, are the Lakers really in the market for another big? I I have to imagine that this is just due diligence, right? Kenneth Fareed is like, you know, one of those bigger names left in the free agency market. But, you know, he's a free agent for a reason. He was in summer league, you know, trying to get back into the NBA. He's been out of the league for a couple of seasons now. Um, There's a lot of questions as to, you know, what he has left in the tank. But then, you know, even if you got Kenneth Fareed at a decent, you know, we got normal Kenneth Fareed, like NBA Kenneth Fareed. Uh, his skill set just I, I don't see it on the current roster. We already have DeAndre Jordan now, Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis is gonna be playing a lot more center. We just got rid of Marcus Gasol. So I don't see why they would be chasing after another big who essentially does the same things minus the defense and rim uh, rim protection. So I have to think that maybe this is just, you know, maybe an agent favor. Maybe, maybe. this is just to get his name out there. Um 
you know, that's that's kind of where I land on it. I don't think he's actually seriously in contention, especially if these, you know, whispers and rumors about a potential Kevin Love buyout midseason are true, because then you're talking five bigs that aren't going to all play. So I have to imagine that this is just, you know, maybe a favor from the Lakers front office for Kenneth yeah, He Fareed. played for Portland in the summer league. Kenneth Fareed did. And we got to see him in action up close. And he'd say, I wasn't that impressed. I just... I thought he just looked like an average player out there. And in summer league, I expected a guy who's got plenty of years of NBA experience under his belt, played for Team USA, for crying out loud, didn't really stand did. out. His numbers were okay, but he just didn't pop the way you would expect a guy who's got that kind of experience and that kind of talent level, too, in, in summer league. And so that, you know, that's not the end of the world. Doesn't mean that he can't help at all or anything like that. But that, to me, was not a good sign Maybe they find something here, but to me, the only way this works, the only way it works, because you know Kenneth Breed is not going to be a rim protector. It's just not in his skill set. The only way this works is if he somehow become a three-point shooter. And we saw it a little bit in his last NBA season with the Houston Rockets, shot 35% from three, but that was in 25 games. So small sample size there. So that's the only way I could see this work is if, number one, he can shoot the three now and the Lakers are convinced it's permanent. It's not just a flash in the pan. He can be a three-point shooting big from here on out. And then you can kind of see him in like a Markeith Morris type role if he can hit the corner three, maybe. Um, Obviously, it's a rough comparison, but that's the only way I see this maybe working out or can explain the Lakers' interest here. That's literally the only way I see it working, right? Um, I think that's maybe the only hole you can maybe poke in this current Lakers roster is that four or five switch uh, switchability mm-hmm. um, with a big man kind of like Markeith Morris. Um, you know, Paul Millsap was a really popular target target over the offseason for Lakers fans because he could fill that role. Obviously, he signed with the Nets. Um, and I don't really see another, you know, person on the market that can fulfill that role, which is why I think we're talking about people like James Ennis, who I personally would still have the top of my list if we're looking to fill that spot. So Kenneth Fareed would have to be an outside shooter. But if we're talking about a 4-5 tweener that's available, I'm just going to just throw his name out there again, Kevin Love, who I think is going to get bought out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's, It seems like it's more a matter of uh, when rather than if at this sure. point, given the relationship between the two sides. So if you want someone that can credibly shoot the basketball and is a poor defender but can still rebound, I'm going to just put my cards on Kevin Love, who has at least seen NBA action the past year. Well, and year. That's, that's fair, right? I mean, I would, I would too. But the reality is he's not a free agent. He's not. And they have to sign somebody before the season starts for that 14th roster spot. Um, Maybe they're hearing, you know, little whispers or something that Kevin Love is going to be bought out before the season starts. And if that's the case, okay, cool, right? But if they go into the season, they've got to have somebody filling that spot. So they've got to figure out what direction they go here. Again, it just, I'm almost starting to put James Ennis in the category of Wes Matthews. Like clearly James Ennis wants to be a Laker. If we thought he was going to come back, right? If we thought Wes Matthews was going to be a Laker, it would have been done already. If we thought James Ennis was going to be a Laker, like, why would this not be done already, right? Like, when we said the same thing with Isaiah Thomas, and then it was, oh, because Rajon Rondo's popping up. That's why. I do wonder if there's something else coming. Maybe it is Kevin Love, and that's why we haven't heard anything on the James Ennis front, because it seems like such an obvious move. It really does. I mean, to be fair, maybe there is an unexpected buyout guy that, you know, we're neither of us are expecting to yeah. come loose and be available. Maybe that's that maybe that's the case. Maybe there's more in the in the um in discussions here that we're not privy to yet. So maybe that's the case. But you're absolutely right. 
Uh, Wes Matthews has been sitting there all summer. James Ennis has been, you know, free basically for the past month, and he's been liking Lakers tweets. Uh, so I don't understand, you know, really why it hasn't been done yet other than there has to be something else in the pipeline. Or maybe they're just targeting something altogether. Maybe they're really hammering this. We need big guys on the roster, and that's why Kenneth Free is getting a look. I don't know. I don't think that makes sense personally, but if that's the rationale, at least the, at least this workout makes sense. Uh, John Ray Dondoyana from YouTube summed it up nicely, said, Farid is worse than Trez, so why are you working him out? That's, that's the part I can't get past. I can't get past, like, Frank Vogel and the coaching staff sitting around and saying, okay, we need to fill out this final roster spot. Uh, You know how things didn't work with Trez last year? Let's get somebody really similar, but worse. That's what we really need. They they just they're they're just feeding us content to get us through training camp. That's how I'm That's gonna look at it. it. Is. No, and, and you know what? Look, I hope Kenneth Freed does land back in the NBA. He's able to battle his way back and everything and everything works out. There was a point in time where Fareed and I've got people asking, can he play on the wing at all? No, he is a small ball five now. What happened was he came into the NBA as he was small for the power forward spot when he came into the NBA. I want to say it was the twenty eleven season when he came in. And he was seen as an undersized like four. But he made up for it because he had such a high motor. He was just quicker, more athletic than the guys he was going up against. And so he actually had some success doing that. But then the game started to change. And suddenly fours had to be able to shoot three, shoot from the three. And the game started speeding up. And so suddenly him playing at a fast pace, well, suddenly a lot of people were playing at a fast pace. And as the game evolved, he had to move down to the five spot where it becomes a bit more of a liability that he doesn't block shots. And so that's been kind of a problem for him moving forward. So again, I think it all hinges on whether or not he can shoot the three, but I I just keep going back to, I don't think the Lakers need what he brings right now. I mean, if you want to crack the joke, um, the Lakers are going really hard for that 2013 championship. (laughs) That's what it is. That's what it is. You know, I will say he's only 30. He's about to turn 32. So they're going for a young guy. He's He's younger. He's younger. We're targeting youth. He's young. Targeting youth. Speaking of which... How does Jared Dudley, right, on his way out the door, said the Lakers didn't give him a spot because they were focusing on signing young guys, and then they brought in Rondo and DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> like, what is Jared Dudley thinking right, right now? I kind of feel for him in that regard. I uh, mean, I, I guess, man, I, I maybe that was the the idea when uh, before he left, and then DeAndre Jordan became a thing, and he was like, "Well, the Lakers got to jump on that." So. Yeah, I don't know, man. It seems a little, <laughs> a little conflicting, uh, conflicting stories yeah. here. But uh, wish Jerry Dudley the best in Dallas. Yeah, you know, and it's great to see that he's. Um, oh, a little bit of news here. I mean, this isn't Lakers, but Mavericks have emerged as a likely next destination, according to Mark Stein, for former Knicks guard Frank Nilakina. That's a name that some people have been throwing out there. As you know, if the Lakers need another guard, I don't think they need another guard, but. Sounds like that name's going to be off the board as well. Maybe that tells us that uh, Goran Dragic might not really be getting bought out in, in Toronto because that was the rumor. I think he's saying that he was going to get bought out and then go yeah. to uh, the Mavericks, but maybe not. I, I think he's staying yeah. at this point. Yeah. And Nidalekina makes sense for Dallas as a flyer. So, so I've got a lot of people in here asking about, uh, about, well, I've got a lot of people asking about Ennis and what can happen with him. I do think he's a guy that can fit. I think he can shoot the ball. Well, think that he's got the defensive pro or the physical profile in a way to play defense on the level the Lakers need. 6'6", 6'11", wingspan, great. We'll take that, right? He's got the size to defend wing players. Uh, he's not that explosive around the basket, but we're talking about for the last spot on the roster. Like, you can't really complain too much. And he's actually, I think, a better passer 
than people realize. He's fairly crafty with his passing, particularly in the open floor. So I just feel like this would be such a great fit. And yet still, he's running around liking those posts on social media and nothing's done. So right now we stay in uh, in the holding pattern, waiting to see what the Lakers do with this final spot. I don't know. Matt, how are you feeling at this point? I'm beginning to doubt this whole James Ennis thing. I don't know, man. Like, what what better options are out there right now than James Ennis? Like, if you're going to take a flyer on a young guy, like... You, you don't have many 3 and D guys outside of like maybe Kent Bazemore and Trevor Ariza who's older. Mm-hmm. So if you want to take a flyer on a young dude who can fill that, that same role, I think James Ennis would be perfect. It makes too much sense, honestly. And I think at this point, I've succumbed to the idea that if it makes too much sense for the Lakers, then they're just not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, where we're at. So James Ennis has the 14th. Yeah, the James Ennis has the 14th guy on your roster that can maybe come in and soak up some minutes. Makes too much sense. I, I think the Lakers got to pass here. Um. I've got, yeah, if it makes too much sense, they can't do it because that would be too obvious, right? They got to surprise us. I get, maybe yeah. that's it. You know, I mean, look, we were, we were all surprised by the Russell Westbrook move. And then just about every signing since then, it's been like, wait, what? They got, they got Malik Monk on a better minimum. How is that possible? Right? Like they've been all these surprise moves. Done. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Uh, Rob Palenka, master of surprise. Magician. Yeah. Magician, I'm. We need to create a graphic with with uh, Rob with the little magic wand. Hit us in the comments. Uh, I've got uh, a question here coming in from YouTube with the super chat. It said, "Who will have the best impact off the bench? So the most impactful Ooh. bench player for the Lakers this season? What are you thinking on that?" Uh, I feel like the easy answer is Taylor yeah. Horton Tucker, right? <laughs> and he got paid. He got paid to be the most impactful bench to player, do that. Right? Yeah, I, I, the THT hype train has been in full effect this mm-hmm. past offseason. All the workout videos, all the all the word, you know, about him working on his jump shot, off-ball defense, et cetera, the things that he needed to work on, he has been working on. Um, he looks good in the videos, looks slimmer, looks more in shape. Um, still not 21 yet, which is crazy. Um, but, you know, I, I think THT is the easy answer here. But if I have to, you know, zigzag a little bit, I'm probably going to say Dwight Howard. Uh, just because he's familiar with the system. He's been with his team already. Uh, shot blocking and rim protection was not present on the Lakers last season. He knows how to play next to Anthony Davis. He's a lob threat. Um, so I think, you know, as far as impact goes, because I think him and DeAndre Jordan are going to split the minutes, obviously. But I think Dwight just has an edge here as far as, you know, the familiarity with the team. So I'm going to go Dwight as my second answer here. So you've got THT and Dwight. I will submit Kendrick Nunn, right? Kendrick, I mean... That's a good one, too. And look, averaged over 15 points per game last year for the Miami Heat, 26 years old, just getting his legs under him, really only his two years in the NBA. So this is the point where guards tend to kind of, you know, they, they make a leap from year one to year two, and then year two to year three, that's when they can really make a big leap here. So Kendrick Nunn, I think they they gave him that uh, mini mid-level exception for a reason. Uh, they spent more on him than the other free agents, uh, aside from THC, because they believe he can come in and be a real weapon for him. My dark horse, though, Malik Monk. And it's a big, (laughs) big if, if he doesn't drive Frank Vogel crazy with his defense. If he can get his defensive game, and I'm talking about his off-ball awareness in particular, to come around and be at least average, I think offensively he's so skilled that he could wind up being a major factor for the Lakers. I think so too. He's kind of my wild card. I don't because, and I would have honestly picked him too. It's just that I don't know if his minutes are guaranteed yeah. yet because there's so many guards in the rotation. 
um, you know, Russ, Wayne Ellington, THT, Kendrick Nunn, Kent Bazemore, Malik Monk, all six of those guys have a case to play major minutes. I think THT is probably the only one that's guaranteed and Kendrick Nunn, obviously, because the other guys that got paid. But Malik Monk's exciting to me. He's he's the one I'm going to be looking out for the most, especially in the preseason. You know, what? how does he fit in the offense? What does he look like next to LeBron, AD, and Russ? Uh, I hope we get to see him next to those three because I think he can be a legitimate threat off the ball. Um, so, yeah, he's he's a good pick, too. But then I, I also definitely like the Kendrick Nunn one as well. It's basically the guards because yeah. I think they have the most versatile skill sets. Um, ball handling, secondary playmaking, shot making, etc. So I, I think the guards are going to be fun to watch this I, year. I think, you know... Maybe we're overlooking Carmelo Anthony here, but I think it's just because he's such sure. a known quantity. We know exactly what Carmelo Anthony is going to be for the Lakers, whereas THT, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, they're all kind of the, the shiny new toy in a way, to a, in a way that maybe Carmelo Anthony is not. And there's a little bit of mystery there. We've seen Kendrick Nunn with the Miami Heat, and that's it. We've seen Malik Monk struggle and then do fairly well last season, but again, only in one situation, THT continues to grow uh so there's we could assume that each one of those guys will look different than what we've seen in the past to some degree whereas Carmelo Anthony he's probably going to be the same old mellow he's going to get you a bucket when you need a bucket he's not going to defend but he can certainly come in and score I'll tell you what if Carmelo Anthony shoots something like 45 percent on high volume off the bench then then that answer is probably yeah, mellow true. right because that's going to be impact yeah, great point. Great point, especially if he can continue to be above 40% from three. Uh, Captain Chevrolet from YouTube with a super chat. Thank you. Sad to paraphrase Popovich. James Ennis is a great player, but is he a Laker? Like, how do we qualify that? Like, what is a Laker at this point? I mean, I don't know that there's some, like, definable quality that you look to and say, oh, that guy is just a Laker anymore because there's been so much turnover, so many guys coming in and out and everything, but I think this team, there is one quality that everybody has to have, and that's that they all have to be selfless towards the goal of pursuing a championship. They have to put aside yep. worrying about their next contract, their own individual stats. That's what the 2020 team did when they won it all. That, I think, is going to be the key that has to be a commonality amongst everybody on the team for this season. Yeah, I agree. It's championship or bust. There's there's no rebuilding here there's no you know playing for the future this is a team that's built to win now uh in order to do that you have to sacrifice and that's kind of been one of the themes this offseason was guys have come in um and obviously we haven't seen any games yet we don't know what the rotations look like so it's really easy to say all these things right now but you know at least that they are saying it is is you know uh you know cause for some optimism here per my nickname right <laughs> um and like, look at it, like it's a lot of veterans that a lot of people are, you know, counting out that don't think they have anything left in the tank anymore. Um, veterans like Melo that don't have a ring yet that would love to retire with at least one. Right. So this is represents their best chance to do it. And I think, you know, the way to do that is to like what you said, be selfless, you know, do whatever the team needs for them to be successful and ultimately go out there and just win. So, yeah, I think that's that's essentially what it means to be a Laker. It's always been championship or bust in Los Angeles. It makes for frustrating season sometimes if you're a diehard Lakers fan like we are. But that's just the name of the game. And I don't think I personally don't think I'd have it any other way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's going to be. I can't wait. I can't wait for this team to actually get out on the floor and to see these guys. What did we say before we came on? 19 days? 19 days till, till yep. preseason? I can't wait for that to kick off and for us to get Lakers basketball back out there and see how this team really comes together because there's so much talent here, but I want to see how it all works and how the chemistry works out on the court. 
I think at, as time has gone on, what I've become most excited about is Russell Westbrook fast breaks. And I, I know the like they have so there's <laughs> so you, many yeah. other things to be excited about on those Lakers roster, but I'm really coming around on how much fun it's going to be when Westbrook is able to just grab and go. That was legitimately the first thing I thought about um, as soon as that trade broke was like, man, the Lakers are going to be way, way, way more fun in transition as if they weren't already fun with LeBron James streaking down. But imagine LeBron on the wing next to Russ. It's it's going to be lobs. It's going to be dunks. Staples Center is going to be going nuts. Honestly, every arena is going to be going nuts. I think the Laker faithful represent, you know, on the road, no matter where the Lakers are. So uh, it's going to feel like a home game. I feel like every game really um and every time like you said russell westbrook defensive rebound pushes the ball got shooters you know trailing he's got anthony davis there he's got lebron running alongside him i i think the highlight plays are going to be insane this year uh i've got and i agree i've got leroy long from uh facebook said trevor what do you think of the hiring of john lucas the third let's get into that the lakers mm-hmm. bring in john lucas the third and from what we're hearing uh kyle goon of the oc register mentioned this that essentially they're bringing him in to be a player development guy that's kind of Phil Handy's role, but specifically to work with the young guys. And I know that immediately led to some jokes around, you know, from other fan bases saying, what young guys? The what Lakers guy? have this, this veteran <laughs> yeah. heavy team. But they do still have players like Malik Monk, like THT, of course, who are, who are younger. Even Kendrick Nunn, we've talked about him. Uh, and then you've got guys like Austin Reeves and Joel Ayayi and Mac McClung and, and our guy, Shawnee Brown, right? You've got those guys to work with. So what are your thoughts there on hiring him? Obviously, we know the Lakers didn't have a spot for Jared Dudley, but instead going with John Lucas III. Yeah, so I actually just wrote an article on LakersNation.com about John Lucas' hiring. His father seems to think it's going to be a good fit just because he's been an NBA lifer. Uh, he has a relationship with LeBron James already. Uh, so, you know, that's always going to be a, a, a crucial factor for any Lakers staffer, right? Um, I, I like the hiring personally. You know, it remains to be seen what he's actually going to be working on. Player development can be a little vague. Uh, but I did make this point before we hopped on is that, you know, since Miles Simon, the other Lakers assistant is going to be handling South Bay Lakers head coaching duties. There is a little bit of a gap mm-hmm. there in terms of responsibility. So John Lucas can fill that role now. Um, I do think he'll be, you know, working more hands on with the younger players, THT, Monk, Kendrick Nunn, etc. But I think he's kind of going to also be like the bridge, like how Dudley was between players and coaching staff. Uh, John Lucas is still pretty young. He played a lot in the NBA, so he knows what it's like to be in a locker room. He knows how to relate to players. Um, I think he'll be able to communicate effectively with the veterans on the roster as well. So that's kind of how I imagine his role on this specific Lakers team. Yeah, agreed. I think that's what we're going to see, and I think it's just fine as a as a hire uh, in that regard. I think he's a guy that can help these young guys maybe take the next step, and if you can, that's going to help the team overall. Uh, I got an interesting question in here. Edward Barrera from YouTube said in the spirit of Marvel's what if series, have you been watching that Matt? The what if series? It's good, man. I have been, I I have been, I've been watching it at first. It took me a minute to kind of get, you know, wrap my mind around. Okay. I'm going to be watching a cartoon, right? Like, but it's, but it's really good. So anyway, it's good. uh, What if you can have one player in their prime for this season only? Would it be Braun, Mello, Dwight, THT, Etc. So you can take one player on the Lakers, magically make them whatever their prime season is. That's what se- what you get out of them this season. Who are you taking? I okay. So I, I am going to rule out the young guys because we don't know what the right. primes look like yet. Um, the easy answer is LeBron. Right? I mean, like, <laughs> and the thing is, like, 
it's hard because like Dwight is farther from his prime than LeBron is from his prime. Right. But, but yep. prime LeBron, and you can say the same for Melo, right. Uh, but prime LeBron is ridiculous. I mean, potentially the goat. So how do you say no to that? You know, I have, a, I have a good one in that vein of that question. What's, what's like your uh, favorite Lakers? What if Trevor, I mean, there's the basketball reason situation. Um, now with yep. Chris Webber's recent comments, we can say, what if that trade actually went down Chris Webber to the Lakers and, instead of the Sacramento Kings in exchange for Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel and Elvin Campbell. Uh, that would have been, yep. would have been interesting. Yeah. There's some interesting what ifs out there though, but, uh, yeah. If you were to take one player and put them in their prime, it's hard to say no to prime LeBron. Yeah, I think so too. By the way, my answer to that what yeah. if is uh, Kobe and Shaq never break oh, up. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. I you, what what what's your over under on titles? They had 3. I I would have put it at five. Oh, I know and I know the way to approach that. What if the Lakers won in 2004? Cuz then you probably oh. get that, right? They probably don't break up. Right, if they win the championship that year, they probably don't break up, and Shaq and Kobe stick around together. Right, if the if the uh, the yeah. Malone Peyton year works out. Oh man! But then I guess you have to then you go down this rabbit hole, right? Where they probably don't win in two thousand nine or ten, just because the roster construction is sure. different. I don't know if Powell's a Laker, right? Um, that's what that that's the trade that brought them Lamar. He's probably not a Laker, so. So what if, but I feel like, you know, we end up with the same amount of titles. It's kind of hard to, uh, to, you know, <laughs> the butterfly uh, argue whether or not that would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. But Karan Butler that, doesn't become, Kwame, doesn't become Kwame Brown who then can't become Pau Gasol. And yeah. Yep. Fun exercise. That's an off season one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, ben Wynn from YouTube said, Hey fellas, uh, which would you take for next season? THT shoots 36% from three. That sounds good to me. Or he miraculously grows two inches and his three point percentage goes up to 30%. Give me the first one. Really? Right. I mean that if he can shoot hmm. 36% cause he's already got a seven, one wingspan, he's six, four with the seven, one wingspan. So six, six, seven, three wingspan THT versus, but he's only shooting 30%. So he's still going to get left behind the three point line. Nobody's going to defend him out there. Or you get THT that's a threat from behind the arc because he's shooting about league average. You know what's funny is that I think the way I thought about this question was you can't teach height, but you can improve as a shooter. Uh-huh. So I thought of, I thought about 6'6 six, six THT, and defensively he'd be a little better just because it'd be harder for people to shoot over sure. him. Um, or, you know, he'd be able to guard wings more credibly, I feel like. So... It was tempting. I think, but I think you're right, though. I think if we're, if we're trying to win just this season, him being a credible shooter is going to be more impactful this season. But I think long term, the answer would probably be two more inches. Yeah. If we, but it, I mean, the question was posed, though, you get you 36% or 30% from three, but he's taller. Right. So, I mean, I guess we, but for just this season, you want the shooting percentage. But if we can say, okay, he's 30% yeah. this season, but. Three years from now, he might get to that 36%. Then his ceiling is a lot higher if he's got another two inches on him. Correct. But yes, I think you're right. Shooting shooting, you take, for sure. Uh, somebody said from uh, Facebook, Keith Smith. Is it is it NBA front office Keith Smith on here on Facebook? 
I don't know. THD has been looking good in his training videos for three. Well, either way, even if it's not that Keith Smith, go subscribe to the NBA front office channel. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I love that. Uh, THD has been looking good in his training videos from three. I would caution that. And look, I I don't want to rain on the parade or anything. That's great that he's shooting well from three in training videos. E. Gian Leon looked great in training videos against a folding chair, right? Um, Ben Simmons, once again, is shooting threes in training videos and in scrimmage games, little pickup games and stuff like that. Does it mean anything? No. Dwight Howard, people have been, seriously, this week people have been asking me, is Dwight Howard going to start shooting threes? Because he's posted videos of himself shooting them. He's always shot threes in training and in warmups. He doesn't shoot them in the games, though. It's not, he didn't shoot them well enough. But we see him in training, swish, 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 because he's like, you know, a professional basketball player or Michael Scott. Either, either way, he's really good at, uh, at hitting shots when nobody's on him. A lot of NBA players are. So I wouldn't jump to conclusions on THT hitting threes in a training video. It's not a bad sign, but I wouldn't just assume that, okay, we're all good. THT is a great three-point shooter now. Here's your quote for the night, yeah. Trevor. Um, NBA off-season training videos with players shooting um, in an empty gym is the NBA equivalent of girls posting thirst traps on Instagram. Oh, Don't fall for it. That's a good analogy. That's a good. And it sounded like there were. It sounded like it. there was a little bit of pain in your voice on that one. No, no, no. It's just that I've also succumbed to the idea that guys in the NBA can hit open threes, and then when it comes to regular season, you don't see it. So I've been there, guys. Don't fall for it. <laughs> um, I, I thought you were going to mention something about uh, about some girl from your past or something like that there. Uh, <laughs> well, any any girls in the chat, feel free to slide through at Matthew Peralta on Instagram. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Jay from YouTube said, Hey Trevor, would you sign Rondé Hollis Jefferson for his defense and not his shooting? I mean, yeah, if you're going to sign Rondé Hollis Jefferson, that's what you're signing him for his defense because he's not much of a shooter. Does that, like, does that disqualify him? He's a guy that I think that can switch between three and four a little bit. Would you be more interested in Rondé Hollis Jefferson than, than say like Kenneth Fareed or just any other four or five that can't shoot the three? I mean, yes, just by by archetype and player type, right? Uh, perimeter defense, I think you can never have enough of. Um, I think the big man rotation is pretty much set. So if you can get someone like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, um, you know, sure. Uh, he kind of falls in that bucket of players I don't mind having, but I'm not necessarily thrilled about. Um, you know, one name I wish I had I had brought up more mm-hmm. in previous videos or shows was Stanley Johnson. He's another player I wish the Lakers would have taken a flyer on. Um you know, there was a lot of hype out of his drive class. I don't know how much he, ha- I don't know, you know, what he can look like going forward, but I thought he would have been an interesting name. But, you know, players of that vein, if you're not going to sign those guys, then, you know, I have no idea what the direction is for those last couple yeah. spots. Yeah. And this is, you know what? The Lakers have been this franchise that they tend to zig when everybody else zags. They're the team that we never oh, yeah. know who they're really picking. We can have a list on draft night. If they're going to actually use their draft pick, we can have 15 guys that we think could go in that range. Okay, it could be any of these 15 guys. No, they're going to pick somebody off off a different list. They're going to grab somebody nobody saw coming, like Mo Wagner or something like that, and uh, and surprise us all. Or uh, Larry Nance Jr. was a shock. Remember that? Sometimes it works out. Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, so us saying, you know, James Ennis makes a lot of sense or this player makes a lot of sense. Eh, the Lakers have proven, though, 
they don't always go with what, from our perspective, makes sense. Uh, you know, one name that I'm sure we'll probably get into maybe uh, later is going to be obviously the Marcus Gasol stuff. But um, I'm really hoping to bring over Wang Zellin, my guy, uh, since they have his rights. So The guy who got drafted in 2016 in the second round? That is correct, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that That's the obscure Laker name that uh, will prove that you're an actual fan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk a little bit about this this rotation because we're still looking at who the Lakers are going to put in at the center spot, who they're going to put in at the two. And obviously if we say Anthony Davis is the center to start games, which I don't know if that's going to be the case, then that changes quite a bit. Right. But let's say the Lakers decide that they're going to go with a true center, right? They're not going to have AD start at the five. Maybe he still plays a bunch of minutes there, but they bring in either Deandre Jordan or Dwight Howard. Do you have one of those guys that you're more comfortable with? Because I think you can make an argument for either one to be the nominal starter. Uh, you know, I think for continuity's sake, I feel like I would probably try to keep Dwight on the bench since that, you know, he's already accustomed mm-hmm. to that. So I could see them going DeAndre Jordan. The, he's basically JaVale McGee, right? Um, start the first and third, play five minutes, and then don't see the rest of the game. Um, I could see it that way if you're going to start a traditional five. Obviously, we have been penciling Mark, but since they traded him, I think the idea is that they're going to go a traditional five. And so I think DeAndre Jordan might have an edge here. Yeah, I think that just the familiarity of coming off the bench for Frank Vogel, I think that's, like, you look at what the Lakers have done this offseason. And there's one theme has been returns, right? We've seen guys, this reunion, where even guys from years ago, Kent Bazemore, Trevor Ariza, like coming back in, guys who know what it's like to play for the Lakers. And then you've got Rondo and Dwight who won a championship with the Lakers. They were gone for, ended up being they were gone for like, what, seven months or something, eight months. And then they're back. Yeah. um, Even though it was a full NBA season. So, well, I guess I shortly, slightly truncated NBA season anyway. But Dwight is used to coming off the bench with Frank Vogel. And so I can see where DeAndre Jordan gets the starting job just because of that. And that's interesting because I think Mm -hmm. if if you asked most people who's better right now, Dwight or DeAndre Jordan, I think Dwight is the pretty clear answer. I also agree. But again, I just think that for, and you could probably argue that when JaVale and Dwight were on the Lakers together, Dwight was better than JaVale, but JaVale still started. So, um, you know, that could be some ego managing, um, some, you know, making sure players feel included and that they're part of the team. Uh, DeAndre Jordan gets some token minutes and then doesn't see the floor the rest of the night. I could totally see that. Agreed. I could as well, but let's, okay. So let's continue down that path. So it's either Dwight or DeAndre Jordan at the center spot. Does that then mean that Wayne Ellington is your two? Because I think if that's your if that's your roster, right? If you're putting Dwight or DeAndre, regardless, regardless of which one it is, you're putting one of those two non-shooting bigs on the floor with Russell Westbrook, and nobody's going to defend him behind the arc. Don't you almost have to make your starting two guard whoever your best shooter is? Uh, yes, I remember when all the free agency news came out and the Lakers roster looked pretty much set. Um, and we were, I think you and I were debating Kent Bazemore, yeah. Wayne Ellington for two. I, I had leaned Wayne Ellington. You had said Kent Bazemore. Um, 
you know, the calculus is a lot different because, again, we had been penciling in exactly. Mark who can shoot and space the floor yep. a little bit. Uh, but now that we're considering DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard in the event that Anthony Davis just doesn't outright start at five, I think you do need to just spruce up the shooting um, at that spot. Um, so I think they go Wayne Ellington. But I think the caveat here is that DeAndre Jordan will be out within the first few minutes and then the Lakers downsize. So then that opens up more minutes for someone like Kent Bazemore, right? So that I think that's how you kind of play around with it. Hey, I'm getting, and I, I agree with you. I can't wait to see how this all plays out, but I'm getting, I just got a text from Chris, the masterpiece masters. He's, he's, uh, he's watching Chris. right now. He said, great. What ifs Chris buddy? I, we hope you are feeling better. Uh, Lakers nation. If you guys didn't see Chris uh, has been battling COVID. He's been dealing with, with that. He's been posting about that on his social accounts a little bit. Seems like he's doing okay from, from everything that he's told me and everything, but, uh, but glad that you're watching buddy and, uh, and hope you're feeling better. You know, in that vein, since Chris isn't feeling the best, I'm pretty sure that 10 duck-sized Trevors could take Chris right now. <laughs> it's an inside that's, joke. That's right. That was something <laughs> that we were uh, we were debating at some point. <laughs> uh, we're getting a lot of messages in here with people saying, saying feel better, Chris, and, uh, and get well soon and all that. Yep. Wish my man well, Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. Uh, we'll have to get him back on the show soon, as soon as he's uh, feeling better and, uh, and good to go. Yep. Uh, somebody just said, put COVID in the master lock. I think Chris is in, Absolutely. he's in the process of doing that right now. Right now he is. Yep. 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 All right. So the rotation, that's going to be really interesting to look at. And I think most like, this is a little bit weird, right? Heading into this season, because we kind of had a sense of what the rotation was going to be last year. This year, aside sure. from LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook are starting, we have no idea. Like, everything is kind of up in the air. Like, we can assume, okay, Carmelo Anthony probably is a scorer off the bench, but that's not set in stone even, right? I mean, Kendrick Kendrick no. Nunn could wind up being the starting two. They decide to run two, uh, two guards next to each other. You could do a lot of different things with this lineup and this, uh, this roster. So I can't wait to see how Frank Vogel approaches this because there's a lot of different ways he can go with this team. That is basically, I think, the root of our excitement is that we don't know <laughs> what things are going to look like in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's all purely speculation, but that's basically what we're here for is to try and break it down and analyze and see, you know, what makes the most sense or what directions the Lakers could go in. And you're absolutely right. They've got 13 guys that all have legitimate cases for minutes. Um, and I think it's just going to be Frank Vogel throughout the year having to push the right levers and press the right buttons and, you know, get the right combinations on a nightly basis. Um, obviously, when you get to the playoffs, things are a little bit more straightforward for yeah. the most part. Um, but during the regular season, he can experiment and tinker all he wants. Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't blame him for doing it because he's got a hard job trying to figure out who to play on what night. But the good part here is that the Lakers, I feel like, are going to be one of the best regular season teams just because of Russ, that Russ effect. Um, it's a little bit of a weaker Western Conference, just given some of the injuries, right? Um, the Lakers have a full offseason to actually get healthy, recover, rest, and have a full training camp to acclimate. So I'm actually really optimistic about the regular season chances, but I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, some letdown nights just because Frank Vogel's like, you know what, let me just throw this lineup out there and see what it does. Yes, yeah, exactly. And we're going to see Frank Vogel get to play with things and see what he's going to put together because – He's got a roster that allows him to do that. He's got a lot of different ways that he can play things. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he works all of this out. It's going to be important that the guys are patient because you can't have a 13-man rotation or a 14-man rotation. 
So some of these guys that we're excited about might not see minutes on a regular basis, but I think everybody will get their opportunity at some point during the course of the season. Yeah, it's kind of that idea that's been floated around, right, where the Lakers can afford to give guys veteran days off uh, just because there's so many guys. Um, it's kind of like baseball, right? You you have your starting pitcher, and then he rests for four or five days, and then he comes back. It's kind of like that with the Lakers. You can sit a couple games, and then you get your minutes, and then you kind of just do that throughout the year and keep guys hey, fresh. Hey, Russ, go ahead and take a seat. We're going to have a bullpen game today, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, basically. Jordan Moran from... Uh, from YouTube said with the 10 million saved in the Marcus Saul trade, would you be surprised if the Lakers traded Bazemore and second round picks for buddy healed midseason? Uh, that is not how that works. I wish it was, but that is not definitely not <laughs> oh, how that man, works. That'd be awesome. Um, that would be great. But no, the, the 10 million they saved is actually just uh, off the luxury tax. That's luxury it. It's, tax. it's money that the bus family saved. It's not money that they suddenly have to go spend on players or, or anything like that. They are still well over the cap. So they don't get any extra spending power. What they do get is an extra roster spot. But because they are over the cap, the most they can pay for that roster spot is a veteran minimum. And that's it. That's the most they can give. So you're not going to see them go and take a move. And you certainly can't combine that money with a player or something and absorb a bigger, bigger salary or anything like that. Doesn't work that way. So unfortunately, yeah, that $10 million is not spending power that they now have. Don't you love it when ownership tells the fan base that they're going to do, they're going to spend whatever it takes to build a championship roster. And then you see cost cutting moves like ours Caruso, this one, um, et cetera. Like, isn't it funny how that works out? It, <laughs> it is. It is. And you know what? But here's the thing. Like I keep going back to this though. It can be frustrating, but at the same time, it's not my money. Like I fully get right. Not signing a 15th player right now. Because you're going to save, like, it's going to be $10 million that you're going to save basically for probably nothing, realistically, right? For a guy that probably wasn't right. going, to, going to get on the floor. So it makes sense. Alex Caruso, it's frustrating, but it also was going to cost them, what was it going to be, like $30 million or something on top of his salary? Right, at that cost. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, and I know in NBA world, we tend to just, the dollar amounts don't even register with us because for most of us, like, a $10 million deal is more than money than most people are ever going to see. Right. Um, yep. But still it's, I don't know. It's the kind of situation where the team has to make a decision. And even the Lakers have their limits in terms of how much they're going to spend on certain guys. Yeah. And I think, you know, the important thing to remember here, and I think this part doesn't, you know, I don't know if fans necessarily resonate with this or they like to even bother considering this, but the Lakers are a mom and pop team. Uh, a lot of the teams that are out there spending, like the Brooklyn Nets, the Golden State Warriors, yeah. you know, whatever rich team out there, these are billionaire owners that have other businesses and interests outside of basketball. The Bus family, their business is the Lakers. So um, while I like to joke around that the Lakers just virtually print money every year, uh, they're not printing money like other teams are, uh, at least not their I owners. Mean, so they don't have the luxury of just spending hundreds of millions of dollars like other that's teams. That's true, do. but let's not paint them as though they're, you know, they're struggling or anything like that anything like that oh no, they're not struggling not. trust me yeah but if you're looking at like a you know like the was it the warriors or the nets that had like a 300 dollar bill uh 300 million dollar bill uh the lakers are gonna look at that and scoff yeah. <laughs> yeah um davis painter from youtube said those purple lakers leaked jerseys are too nice what did you think about uh, those i think i put those in our in our group text um i yeah my initial and here's the thing I have no trust in my own personal taste 
right? The only thing I was sure of <laughs> was that the black Mamba jerseys, the one that I've got, actually, I should go this way. The black Mamba jersey that I've got on the wall back there, that that was fantastic. Other than that, I have no trust in my own personal taste in terms of clothing or, or anything like that, right? Just I, I have no sense of style, okay? But I can say my initial reaction to that jersey was not positive. I don't know. How, but again, I'm, I'm bad at this stuff. I don't know, Trevor. You and I are wearing the same shirt, so you have some taste. Well, yeah, um, a work shirt. It's a Lakers Nation shirt, though. It's not like I went and picked it out. Or <laughs> it's anything, a good but, one. But yes, I agree. It is a, it is a good one. Um, yeah, no, my, my reaction was pretty lukewarm. Um, but to be fair though, I, um, I also thought the, uh, the Lakers road jerseys, uh, when the black mm-hmm. stripe and like the purple, that's not really like Lakers purple. Right. Um, I wasn't very high on those either, but when you saw them on the court, they, they kind of grow on you a little yeah. bit. Um, still by far my least favorite out of the set, but you know, these purple ones that have leaked, um, a lot of people have cracked jokes that it's the Charlotte Hornets purple. Um, it's kind of hard to that shake is. that once you yeah. see it. It is. Right. Um, and that I think that to me is like the mental hurdle for me liking these is that ah, it's like another team's color. It's not really the Lakers colors. Right. I wish they had just kept it simple, um, you know, play off the Minneapolis colors like every year. They could do that and they merchandise sales would go yeah. way up, way up. Um, but I think for me, I'm going to I'm going to reserve my opinion until I see it on the court itself. Um, you know, maybe it looks nicer in the Staples Center lighting. Who knows? I don't know. Um, uh, but my initial reaction is like, eh. it's purple and it has like a teal blue trim, which is just an odd combo to me to put those two. Well, we, and it, it does make it look even more Hornets esque, but yeah, we did say the Lakers zig when people zag. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. It, it yeah. made me appreciate last year's jerseys that much more, I guess. They were so they nice. Were, they were. <laughs> they should just keep. Those. I can say too. So I, I did this the other day. I was comparing, you know, the Lakers' current jerseys to their older jerseys, and it becomes yep. so obvious how yellow the, gold the, the jerseys are now compared yeah. to the gold. I wish give me the jerseys they have right now, but put them back in the gold that that looked so good back in the day. Like I, I'm not not even talking about that long ago. What was it? Six seven years ago that they were. A true gold jersey. I'd like to see that come back. You know, the Lakers have like the the benefit of just having such iconic and classic colors that they don't need to do anything yeah. to them. They they look so good like as they are. And I think we're in this point where like, you know, um teams try to look as flashy or modern as possible so they tinker and they mess with stuff that they probably don't have to. Um even for newer fans, I feel like um if the lakers just kept their regular color schemes for their jerseys they'd be totally fine and they look great um it's just because you see all these other teams like playing around and getting all these different palettes and playing outside of their normal colors and the designs and it's like oh i wish the lakers would do that too uh but no the lakers are very much a classic franchise i feel like if they just stuck to what they do best with purple and gold they'd be completely fine yep i agree uh kyle roberts for oh and while i'm on the topic though can we please go back to the gold jerseys at home, the purple ones on the road, throw in some alternates and make Sundays you wear your whites and just go back to that. It's just, ah, uh, I don't know why so we had to change that. They, uh, that was a fun, uh, that was a fun uh, group chat thing where it's just like, what Lakers jerseys are the guys going to wear tonight? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or texting each other. Like, it looks so weird that they're in gold on the road. Uh, like, it's just, it's odd. Like that. Especially when they're wearing gold and they're like at Golden State or something like that or yellow, right? And they're playing in Golden State. It's just, yeah. It's just not right. 
Kyle Roberts from YouTube uh, with the Super Chat said, who do you think besides Kevin Love will get bought out that will be a good pickup for us? Um, so around the NBA, you got to think about a guy who's a veteran and is on a bad team and is probably on the last year, maybe the last two years of their deal. Normally it's the last year of their deal. So I'm trying to think of who would fit that that mold, but that's normally what you're looking for is a veteran player last year of their deal, sometimes last two years, uh, and they're on a bad team. It's yeah, it's usually like a roster that's not gonna yeah. win. Um yeah, because Kevin Love is kind of the poster right. child for this one. John Wall was a name that was floated around, but obviously that report yesterday uh shut those conversations down. So he's not a name anymore, I'm considering. Um you know, that's a good question. I haven't really looked yet. Um, just because, you know, a lot of teams are still thinking they can make the playoffs for the most part. So I don't know what veterans would come loose. Um, hmm. Anyone coming to mind for you? I, can't I don't have mind. anybody off the top of my head that I can think of that's on a bad team. I think it would take somebody maybe being on a team that we think is kind of on the fringe of getting into the playoffs. And then they suffer an injury or something like that. And the team slips back. And then you've got a guy where it doesn't make much sense to hang on to him anymore. Um, um, where, where's that young on the Spurs? Yeah. But they traded for him. So I don't know if that would be one, but that would be it. That like, it's that mold of player, right? right? Like still good. Uh, but the timelines kind of don't match because the Spurs are a younger rebuilding team, but they're going to be frisky next year. I think. Oh, I've got, um, I've got one. Derek Favors wound up with the Oklahoma city thunder in, in that trade. Oh, been, we should just look at the guys on Oklahoma Yeah, really City. just look at the Oklahoma City Thunder roster. He's he's probably yeah, not going right. to say They're going to try to trade him and get something for him first, but maybe they go down that path. And ultimately buy him. Yeah, and you know, the, the fun part is that some guys have already been bought out, like Kemba Walker, right? Like, those would have yes. been popular names throughout right. the season. But, yeah. Uh, Avi B from YouTube said, true or false? LeBron is the undisputed undisputed GOAT with one more championship and passes Kareem in points. So LeBron, if you do the math, he can pass Kareem if he has two more healthy seasons and scores at a reasonable yep. level. He could pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So that, I think, is going to be an amazing moment if and when that does happen. Again, two more healthy seasons. Last two, last three seasons, he's gotten hurt, two of them. Two of the last three, he's been hurt. So there's no guarantee that he's going to stay healthy, but hopefully he will because that will be an incredible moment if and when that happens. That's one of those sports records that we've always looked at as though it's never going to fall. Never going to fall. And now, yep. I mean, LeBron is in striking distance if he can stay healthy. So what do you think? If LeBron gets another championship, gets to five, and he becomes the all-time leading scorer, does he become the undisputed greatest of all time? Um, my short answer is right. no, because undisputed um, is not is never a thing with sports, right? <laughs> uh, I think he'd have a way, way stronger case, obviously, five titles, scoring uh, all-time leading scorer, etc. Like, those are huge accolades, right? Not, not to mention the other laundry list of things he's done. Um, but, you know, it depends on who you're asking, right? Because Michael Jordan is like the, the gold standard, the one that no one's ever going to move off of their list. Um, so that's why I kind of just like kind of push back on the undisputed. But um, if you ask me, I think LeBron's already the greatest player of all time, personally. Um, I know that's going to be sacrilegious to say on a Lakers Nation live stream, but I, I think it's true personally. Um, but, you know, undisputed, I don't think so. And, you know, before I finish my point, I just want to say I don't understand why Kareem doesn't get more love. Sure. Goat. Um, six titles, all-time leading scorer, um, you know, MVPs, finals MVPs, um, 
all-star teams, all NBA teams, etc. cetera. Uh, his resume is also pretty, uh, pretty long. Uh, if you have some time after this live stream, go and check it out. Um, it's, you can put that against anyone's and you, you come to realize that he should have more of a case or he should be in the discussion. Yeah. I think, you know, playing with magic might have taken away from that a little bit. You know what I mean? Because people were so focused. Magic is just that magnetic personality that people were just drawn to right. him. And once the Lakers really started to get going, Kareem was towards the end of his career and then started to fade. Uh, but look, I mean, he's certainly a worthy, James worthy, uh, consideration for, for greatest of all time. As far as LeBron goes, the undisputed thing, no, he'll never be undisputed as the greatest of all time. Because right now, the knee-jerk reaction for so many people is Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, right? It's like if you ask somebody, yep. what's two plus two? The answer is four. That's how most people see things. Just the answer is Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. And a lot of people aren't willing to consider anything else. And so I'm not even making a case for LeBron or against LeBron or anything. I'm just saying there are so many people that are just right now conditioned to say Michael Jordan is the best player of all time, whether or not he is or isn't. That is the general answer to that question, right? So I think no matter what LeBron does, there's he, there's never going to hit that tipping point where people in general all suddenly say, oh, yeah, it's definitely LeBron. There's nothing he can do at this point to change that. You know what? I think part of it, too, is that um, if you if someone asked anyone, who do you think the greatest basketball player of all time is? And you said Michael Jordan, you're not going to get a look. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get side-eyed. You're not going to, you know, have much, spark much debate. The, the other person will probably go, yeah, yeah, you know, that makes sense. But if you say LeBron, man, uh, the debate, the the reaction, the, you know, probably the insults coming your way are going to be, like, quick. Um, so I think that's part of it, too, is that we've just accepted that Michael Jordan is the standard. He is the GOAT. He is untouchable. He's, like, a deity to, like, people. Um you know, and, you know, and that's not me knocking Michael Jordan. I mean, I just can't speak to it because I didn't grow up watching him. You know, I got Michael Jordan, Washington Wizards, Michael Jordan, you know, so that's my perception mm -hmm. of him. Um, like a lot of people my age, I'm living off highlights and old game reels. Um, but I never got to see him on a day to day basis like some other people did. Uh, my people were Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, you know, these, this current group of uh, NBA stars. So that's who I'm looking at. And, you know, again, if I have to pick, I probably pick LeBron. The resume is pretty compelling already, but you throw in an all time leading scorer and a five and a fifth championship just strengthens the case even more. Yeah. I mean, look, I think he's got a great case as it is, and you can make the argument, but I think, I don't think anything's going to change that general perception that it's Michael Jordan. Not at this point anyway. Nope. All right, guys. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap things up. Appreciate all of you guys joining us. Obviously, we are all very excited for the Lakers season coming up just a few weeks away from training camp, two weeks from today. Let's go. Can't wait for that to happen and for this for us to get this season going because there is a lot of excitement around your Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for coming on here and uh, talking a little Lakers basketball as we count down for the start of the season. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, we were talking about this offline a little bit, but we've only got, I think, three live shows left until we're starting talking about, you know, media day, training camp, mm -hmm. all the news coming out. So I, I'm pumped. That's right. It's going to be a lot of fun and it is right around the corner. So appreciate you guys all joining us. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. And don't forget, we have switched our days where our Tuesdays and Fridays for our live shows now in the evenings. We'll be doing those instead of Mondays and Thursdays, which we're doing for most of the off season because, well, there's football games on during that time now. So we want to make sure that we're able to talk some basketball during non-football time. So, so we've got Tuesdays and Fridays now for our live streams. Of course, until 
the preseason starts, and then we'll convert back into a regular postgame show. So that's coming up right around the corner. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Till next time, stay safe and see you.